In this episode, I had the privilege to speak with Army veteran, entrepreneur, and founder of Carbless Vodka Drink, Adam Kroger. And this was a fun interview for me, where we actually discuss military life, overcoming addiction, and becoming an entrepreneur. During the interview, Adam explains how he had to lay everything out on the line to make his dream a reality. So make sure that you head over to drinkcarbless.com and go check out what he is currently bringing to stores near you. And if by chance you're a diabetic, this drink is especially special to you with zero grams of sugar, zero carbs, and is gluten-free. So go check it out, and you definitely will not be disappointed. Let's jump into this episode where you get to hear more about Adam. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Forging Life podcast. I am the host, Trey Ryder, and the Forging Life podcast is about hardships, parenting, entrepreneurship, and the struggles that we deal with every single day. We will have many interviews with special guests, and you can actually see some of these interviews on YouTube, and you can even join the discussion by heading over to Facebook and typing up Forging Life Podcast and join our page. You guys, thank you so much for coming in, and I hope you enjoy season number two of the Forging Life Podcast. All right, hello everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Forging Life Podcast. I am your host Trey Ryder, and today I have a great guest with me, uh, who is a former military member and has also ended up uh, transferring over into the entrepreneur uh, realm. And his name is Adam. So, Adam, first and foremost, thank you so much for jumping in with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Trey. I appreciate it. And so tell us a little bit uh, about you, because I, I know that you were a prior military and to where you, I think it was like uh, operations, right? You were in operations doing stuff before. Right. Yeah. Um, my life has been, I think, a byproduct of uh, shifting and moving uh, based on what's thrown at me. Um, but, you know, as I guess, how, how deep do you want me to go on about me? <laughs> Hey, this is just our time to kind of learn some of your background. So um, however, whatever you really want to share, it's perfect. Gotcha. Yeah, if, if I go back, um, you know, way back in um, high school, I, I was uh, the type of person that was very lucky that I would get good grades, but I never really paid attention. Um, honestly, screwed off a lot, got into a lot of bad habits, uh, not legal habits for, for a while. Um, and then came a point uh, my junior year where, um, and this is, you know, the honest God truth, but um, the, the National Guard was, there was a sign-on bonus. And in my head, I was thinking, I can, I could buy a lot of weed with that. Um, and that was my thought process. My girlfriend at the time was in it, um, had conversations with people and I was like, oh yeah, this, this all makes sense. So I signed up, um, did have to, you know, Pass drug test to do that. Um, about a month after I signed up, um, found out that I was going to be a father uh, about three months after I turned 18. Um, so had a lot of those bad habits, joined the military to enhance those bad habits, but then it really turned into the best thing ever because June between my junior and senior year of high school, I went to basic training. So um, went to basic, not AIT yet because of the time span, came home. And then I used to play football before my bad habits, went back into football just to keep myself in shape. Um, ended up stopping that after about two months so I could go get a full-time job, support my little girl that was coming on her way. Um, she was born in January. I had turned 18 in that October. Um, yeah, so graduated high school and about nine months later, ended up going to uh, it was about nine months. Did AIT, maybe six months after that, went to Iraq. Um, I know looking back on it, it's definitely a, you know, kind of differing experience for each individual. We've been home, you know, 13 years and I only did the one tour, but seeing how it impacts everybody differently is, is pretty crazy. Um, but I definitely learned 
to respect and appreciate structure and standards um, when we went over there. And I also learned that I really hated being told what to do, when to do it. Um, so it, it was a it was really good learning experience for myself. And um, I would say by the time I got home from that experience, I had fully removed my head from my you know what. Um, <laughs> So went back in, since I was in the National Guard, went back into a sales role in May of 2008. We all remember what happened in 2008. Um, so by August or September, um, I had an inside sales role. Nobody was coming in. Economy had taken a huge dive. A buddy of mine came in and said, hey, do you want to, uh, you want to cut cheese? Um, place up the road. I live in Wisconsin. Go figure, right? Cutting cheese. Um, <laughs> So went there in 2008 and um, ended up actually like slowly working my way up to uh, director of manufacturing, I think by 2018, um, had went and did some tech school in between there through the military. Um, had started a business in 2014 with my dad and brother, definitely learned a lot about uh, what can be good about it and what cannot be good about it. Um, gosh. Just trying to think of like all the things that have really shaped me. So when I was at that cheese factory, that's where I was going. Um, I had gotten promoted to like an operator and then a lead. Well, when I was promoted as a lead, I went back to my military days and because that was where I felt I was taught to be a leader. And I was too young and impressionable at that time. And all I really knew, because Iraq was so different, there there is the structure, but it's I was put into a unit of people that I hadn't really trained with before. So all I knew was basic training. So what did my 20 year old self who was a lead at this time or 21, 22, maybe, um, how did I get people to do things I wanted to? I yelled a lot and told them how dumb they were. Um, and I thought I was just the best leader in the world. Um, and I want to say it was 2013. So I had been doing this for a year or two. Um, had some good technical success. I had a lot of people that enjoyed my personality, but I didn't realize how much the yelling was just a one-time win. Um, and so I read the book, uh, which we talked about a little bit, the How to Win Friends and Influence People. And I literally got done with the book and I was like, I am like the dumbest person on the planet. Like this, like I am doing everything totally wrong. Um, and that's, I will until the day I die, that book literally changed my life because I, 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 I was going on a trajectory that I enjoyed at the time, but I think I would have stopped short uh, of, of where I'm at many, many years ago had I continued to do that. Um, yeah, so that, that book was huge for me. And then um, that, that company that I worked for, I left for about a year in between, um, ended up uh, getting hired by the lady who is now my wife. Um, so that, that's rather interesting. Um, but when I was working at that place, it was a sales role. Um, the owner of the group and, 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 and my wife um, were very much into just like the self-improvement type books and I hadn't really read much of them. Um, and I ended up stumbling upon the Think and Grow Rich, which really started talking about, you know, you can want all the things in the world, but if you don't really envision it, if you're not willing to do the work and you just want it, you're not gonna get there. Um, and I think that I, I always knew I wanted to start a business, um, honestly thought it would be something along the lines of cars or motorcycles. Cause that's just what I've loved since, uh, I could, you know, talk, um, cause that was what my dad was into and still continue to love it. Um, so what we ended up on was just more a byproduct of, uh, byproduct of passion. Um, but the coolest thing about it is not something I ever would have anticipated, but I can do it 20, 22 hours a day and I'm still ready to get up the next day and keep going at it. Cause it's just that much fun. That was longer than I anticipated, but <laughs> that's a awesome. of, no, good chunk of so, who I am. And first and foremost, uh, you know, thank you for your service. Uh, and, and I say that cause yeah, we just had Memorial day and you know, I'm out there preaching about a lot of the stuff and the people that when you get into the military, it's not about you anymore. You know, it's about those that surround you and realistically trying to have that camaraderie. And when you lose somebody, it doesn't even have to be 
you know, a direct person, even though I've lost those individuals around me, it could be somebody in a different company and it still hits you in your heart just because you know what they go through. You know what the family is about to go through. And uh, so thank you for your service. Um, you know, the Think and Grow Rich, man, what a, a powerful book. And as, as well as the How to Win Friends and Influence People, I actually read that one before I ever got to Think and Grow Rich. And you are so right. You know, you sit there and you talk about influencing people and you just sitting there trying to yell, right? And instead of yelling and threatening, there are so many different ways you can handle things. And people act more on rewards than out of fear. And that book can really just change the light. Like that should be something that they actually like in the military uh, for like NCO academies, they should hand you one of those books and say, read this, you know, Um, it's that powerful. But uh, so when did you actually join the military? Um, I joined in April. I can't remember the exact date. I think it was April 10th, 2005. Um, is what my swearing date was. And then I, I, yeah, so that was my junior year of high school. Yeah. And what was your job there? Um, I was a 92 alpha, um, automated logistics specialist. Um, I, I will never forget. Um, so my dad, uh, was an 11 Bravo, um, in the eighties. And then he ended up, well, that's what he was going for. I think he got medical doubt in AIT. Um, but this is, you know, in the middle of the Iraq stuff and, I remember having this funny story. We're sitting on a gazebo with a recruiter. I'm 17. I can't sign my own paperwork. And I wanted to do 11 Bravo because that's what I think a friend of mine was doing. And, you know, I wanted to do bang, bang stuff. And um, so then the recruiter and my dad are talking. My dad's like, you know, just based on the state of everything, I'm, I'm not signing that. It's like, okay, well, that's pretty lame. So then um, combat engineer sounded really cool. Um, I don't remember what the MOS was for that. 12 and- Bravo. Okay. So I started talking through that, you know, and, and so the recruiter's like, well, overseas, my dad's like, what are they doing in Iraq? Well, they're rebuilding roads, you know, there's a good chance they're in hotspots and stuff. And um, my dad's like, yeah, no, not signing that. Talked about truck driver a little bit, 88 Mike, um, because I've always liked cars, talked about mechanic, but it was like, eh, I probably wouldn't love it that much. And then I was going through the, again, these are all the jobs that had the bonus, right? So, um, I found this one that said 92 Alpha Automated Logistics Specialist. <laughs> and I looked at the recruiter. I said, well, what does this one do? And he's like, well, they like work in the motor pool with the, with the mechanics and stuff. And I think most of the guys at my drill, they just play Xbox all weekend. And um, <laughs> my dad was like, yeah, you can sign up for that. <laughs> uh, so there we are. Now I'm a logistics guy. <laughs> but how true was he? How true was um, your when you got no, not, no, not at all. Um, <laughs> the, uh, it ended up being a culmination of like what used to be five different MOSs, I guess, years ago uh, between distribution and warehousing and, and then the you know dispatching. So I learned a lot of stuff by doing that MOS. And then by the time I went overseas, um, wasn't even attached to that MOS at all. So um, it, it, was, it, was, it was good schooling. And I think and it ended up putting me into some of the technical roles that I took later on and having a good understanding of how to take care of it. So uh, super helpful and never once played Xbox at a drill, unfortunately. So getting away from your military uh, training, how has that impacted you to where you're at today? And we will get into where you're at today here in just a moment. But uh, what are some takeaways that you can really say has helped you grow to where you're at? I think the biggest thing is just knowing your body and your mind can always do more than what you anticipate. Um, I, I firmly believe that, you know, the, uh, there's a podcast by, by Guy Raz of how I built this. And he always asked people like, are, are, did you get where you are because of hard work or luck? And everybody's answers are way different, but I really don't believe there is too much luck. I think a lot of it is hard work um, and using what somebody else would call luck, but the next person like builds and compounds, builds and compounds and snowballs that one conversation rather than just having that one conversation. And that to me is a lot of what I've learned from the military in your mind can always do more than you think. Your body can always do more than you think. Um, so when you start getting that, that pressure on yourself of, I can't do this, 
knowing that you damn well can and you just got to keep pushing and the better part is on the other side. Sometimes it takes a super long time, but it's always there. And I don't know that I would have had the mentality to do that if I wasn't forced into seeing it um, in the training. It's interesting you say that in regards to, it's almost like mind hacking, but luck is a byproduct of taking action. Even a lottery Agreed. winner had to go take action to buy that ticket. Yep. And how many tickets did they end up losing on before even getting to that winner? You know, so there's always a sequence and people say, Oh, you're just lucky. You know, it's just, no, like it happens. Like you're in the right place at the right time because you're taking action and yep. consistent action over time compounds into something bigger. So yeah, I love that. I, yeah. You're spot on, man. So with, uh, with that being said, and you know, I was, military as well we were talking offline it was 14 years so yes i was a combat engineer and when i That's started why you out, knew it so why, quick <laughs> yeah so um it, it started out as a 12b and eventually transferred over to a 21 and now back to 12b so it's like when they were readjusting everything and then uh i ended up going to iraq as well i'm not going to tell all my story but um came back and switched my job over to military police which is completely mm. opposite and uh, I did recruiting in between that. And so eventually got out. So 14 years I was in the ops and, you know, the operations is looking back on it now. Like one of my key takeaways is part of my time management and really just that forward thinking, you know, you can see kind of behind me on my wall. This is my little battle wall right now. All my stickies of to do's and not to do's and when, and, um, and I, that's a direct proportion to me being in operations. Like we have calendars that are 90 days out and things are planned, you know, ranges to trainings to um, holiday, whatever it is, it's all on the wall. So that is like a, a huge piece for me in regards to my leadership. Um, even me as an entrepreneur, as a coach and running these uh, one thing that might be uh, kind of down your lane, have the forging life intention setters group. And that's about setting these goals and the forward thinking that you were talking about earlier and having those visions. It's helping people stay on track for those visions to ultimately achieve their goals. So, um, so you and I, even though I haven't said too much until now, we're definitely very in line with a lot of things. So what, what, time to jump curious, back on. From, from combat engineer to MP, like what made you want to make that change? When I came back from Iraq in 04 and we had uh, an air, airborne jump, I was out of Fort Bragg and this was to continue my, my airborne pay, right? So you had to stay qualified and everything. And the first one I had was out of a Chinook. We, it was basically uh, jumping with the Germans uh, to get my German jump wings. And then the next one was for my qualification. And I landed, it wasn't a hard land or anything, but as I was packing up, you know, my chute and everything to carry off, I noticed my hip was popping. I was like, man. And uh, lo and behold, like. By the way, nowadays went, your hip popping is a good thing. <laughs> well, it, it's actually part of the band that goes over top of the, the hip. Uh, um, and they ended up doing like an MRI with a little uh, dye. And it had like a hairline fracture in my femur bone. Um but they were talking about medically retiring or discharging me at that time. And I had just come down on recruiting orders. I was like, look, it's a desk job. Let me go do this. And, you know, I'll be able to heal or do whatever else needed. So lo and behold, I was able to, to go and do that. Oh, nice. And yeah, I was, uh, ultimately I was scared. Like I was scared to go back to the engineer land and potentially be put out. So, I was like, okay, let me switch my job. And if I end up getting out, like being put out, at least maybe I can fall back on military police or go into the police force. And uh, so I switched my job, went over there and still had the same issues. But, you know, realistically wearing a freaking pistol belt and with all this gear, you know, you got, you know, 15 pounds sitting on your hips all the time, sitting in the car and, uh, come to find out it was my back. I had five bulging discs in my back. Ah. And so long story short, after 14 years and 
um, you know, things were getting worse, my neck, my shoulders, and my, and my hips were misaligned. So uh, thankfully for chiropractors and the massage therapists to actually be able to maneuver my muscles and my, my back to actually get it back in line the way it needs to be. But um, so that, that's kind of how I switched over and why I switched over. It was that forward thinking, like if I get out, hopefully I have something to fall back on. Yep. Not, not thinking if I get out, I'm not going to be able to go through like probably the, the police academy or something like that because of being in pain. And right. we talked about the mindset thing. And I hate doing this about me, but it, I'm, I'm queuing in on what you're talking about. Uh, I was always in pain. And as the doctor said, you know, you shouldn't do this. They're putting limitations into my mind. So therefore I go home and I have these limitations and it makes it worse. So I couldn't go out and play with my kids the way I wanted to in fear of hurting it more. And slowly I was manifesting this stuff in my own body, making it hurt more than what it truly was because of that thinking. And it's just like if you're out running and you're sitting there running forever and you're like, man, I, I can't keep going. You know, like, and if you switch that verbiage, like you can just the next telephone pole, just the next telephone pole. And you end up going so much further than what you ever think you, you're going to achieve. So, I mean, that's the power of truly like thinking and kind of hacking your brain to move you forward. But it can also put big limits on who you are and what you do in life. Right. And that's what I did until I started reading these books, you know, the thinking grow rich and the how to win friends and influence people. Um, Dr. Joe De, uh, Dispenza has a great book. Uh, you are the placebo talks about healing your own body and, you know, the different things that your brain does. It's just insane. But it's mind blowing, uh, it honestly, it is, it changed my world. And uh, so now, you know, still going to the chiropractor, the VA stuff, which we're going to talk about here soon um, too, hopefully if we have enough time. Um, but I was taking all these different medicines and, you know, thyroid medicine to, um, depression medicine and, you know, just their gabapentin, just like all sorts of random things that like, I have a cabinet full right now. It's still sitting there, but I was able to actually wean myself away from it, um, in a healthy way. And I did that through basically understanding my body, changing my diets and, you know, so much other different things. And it, you know, helped me out. So getting back to you, uh, thanks for asking that question. Um, but with you, I, I know you were talking about, uh, you know, being in drugs and stuff before you went in the military and then even getting out of the military, you know, like I just talked about, they, they're sitting there handing out a bunch of pills. So uh, from what I understand, that was something that, they kind of had you put into as well? Yeah, our story is not much different, my man. <laughs> um, so when I was overseas, I ended up getting, um, I, I didn't know what it was, um, but my back was just killing me. Um, so when I came back, like they, you know, gave you a quick and dirty, and they're like, yep, yeah, bend over. Yep, you're good. Um, okay, so you're fine. So you're covered 0%, you know, whatever. Um, so went to my first primary care and he gave me tramadol. Okay, sounds good. What is that? Well, it's a synthetic. Um, it's a it's a synthetic opioid, so you know, not doesn't show up on drug tests and stuff. All right, whatever. Um, then also give me muscle relaxers, which about seven years later, I actually was reading one of the I think it was the tramadol or it was the muscle relaxers, and it specifically stated the other medicine and do not take these together, and I was taking them together for like years. Um, so came back in 08, then in 09, like I said, I love cars and motorcycles. My dad, uh, as a going away gift to Iraq, got me in a motorcycle track days. So he let me use his motorcycle and go race around Road America, which is very close to my backyard. So actually bought his motorcycle when I came back from overseas. Um, and in 2009, I uh, ended up uh, having a high side crash at about 90 miles an hour. Um, and so I landed on my, like popped up in the air and landed on my butt. So I broke my tailbone. And then, you know, went and got an MRI and found out that I blew up the discs in the bottom of my back. Um, and then come to find out that the pain that I was having was from um, ruptured or some type of discs in the top of my back. Um, they think it was maybe from a little turret strap or whatever, but, uh, and the, the load, but whatever. Um, so 
I never had to get medicine from that doctor because I had the tramadol. And I got to the point where I was taking it two times a day or two pills four times a day, which was the max. Remember I said I was got into that lead position. So over that next year or two, I was working till like two in the morning. And every morning on my ride home, I was I, I drank a lot of water. I was trying to lose weight and uh, I was eating well. Um, but every night on my way home, uh, my stomach was so sick that I was puking up water, whatever, three in the morning, three in the morning on the side of the road, puking after I just got done with work, not drinking. Um, and that was going on for quite a few years. I was seeing a chiropractor about my back and he was more of a natural guy. And actually, if we go back, I knew I had an issue because I tried to stop taking the tramadol and I was a jerk. Like had a little girl, um, can't remember if I had a girlfriend at the time, but I was a jerk. Um, and I recognized it. So I just kept taking them because I didn't want to be a jerk. Um, so then I talked to a, a wellness center that, that my work had paid for. And, and they said, well, we're going to suggest you go to this place in you know, uh, middle of Wisconsin. So I called them and I said, here's the deal. I've been taking tramadol for, at this point, it was probably five or six years. Um, I want to stop taking it. I'm being a jerk. They're like, well, yeah, you can come in for a consult. It's like $300. And I'm like, well, what do you think would be the recommendation? Well, we'd probably put you on methadones. And I'm like, that's what you do for heroin addicts. And to be honest, I used to put that stuff in my body for fun. Um, and, and they're like, well, um, yeah, that's so, so I'm going to pay $300 to get something that I know is not the answer. So I did not go. And about three months later, ended up at this chiropractor. And he, he, you know, asked the medication. He's like, dude, what have you been taking this, you know, six months, a year? And I'm like, no, it's, you know, five or six years. And he's like, we well, got to get you off. Um, so he weaned me off. And I was off for probably about three months. And then can't remember. Oh, so this is 2012 or 13. Then 2014. I, I was off of them for maybe six months. Then 2014 comes around, I have another motorcycle accident, I break my foot. I get the hydrocodone or whatever it was and whatever it, uh, you know, I got them for like a month and then they were gone and I'm like, well, foot still hurts. So called up VA, got my tram it all back. Um, and I did that for another about two years, two and a half years. My now wife is an absolute saint for dealing with me. But when we first started dating, she was like, you're just taking those to take those, I think. And there was actually a comment. I remember taking them at my dad's house and we're in Wisconsin Packers fans. And he goes, uh, what are you doing over there, Favre? Because uh, Favre had a very admitted uh, Vicodin addiction. I was like, whatever, <laughs> shut up, dad. You don't know what the hell's going on, you know? Like I'm in pain, man. Um, so I used the practices that the chiropractor had helped me, which was basically just cutting down, right? Like a pill and a half, four times a day. And then one pill, four times a day and then three or a pill three times a day and, and slowly just got myself to nothing. And that prevented the crabbiness. Um, and my, my wife was the nice support piece in the back, you know, kind of like when you're trying to lose weight and Hey fatty, go work out this morning. Um, don't eat the donut. Um, she was there. Like if I was like, Hey babe, I'm, I'm in pain. And she's like, good. You're not taking it. Um, because we had done a ton of research on what it's really doing to the pain receptors. And it's, telling my head I'm in pain. So I take the pills because it wants it in my body, but I'm not really in pain. So yeah, yeah. Um, crazy, crazy experience and did not plan on explaining that for 10 minutes, but um, it's, <laughs> it is honestly mind blowing how much that stuff just, um, it ends up playing with your head. And again, you know, having her in the background to help support that and knowing that it, it's mind over matter and picturing my pain receptors going, give me tramadol and knowing that I probably don't really need it. Um, you know, so if you really think you need it, Adam, take Tylenol. And um, yeah, so it, it took many, many years. I think literally was taking them for about seven or eight years total and haven't had them since uh, 2016. You know, Adam, I'm glad you took the time to be able to explain that because people listening, maybe they're in those shoes right now where, you know, they're prescribed these medicines and yeah, it makes them feel better. But like you said, you did the research to understand what it's doing to be able to block certain uh, receptors and fire off other receptors to be able to make you feel these ways. And eventually you just want it to be able to want it. Or it's that habit of just like smoking. Right. Half the time it's a habit of just bringing something to your mouth. Um, 
and it it's every medicine is a band-aid to a root cause that got you there in the first place yep and i won't go into too much of that but um it's good to have uh, for certain periods but you have to have that end goal once again to be able to make sure that you're able to move and do the things you need to do i feel so much better now than i was when i was on the medicine but the medicine made me feel better than what i was prior to that so (laughs) it's just like but um you have to have that in sight you know the what understand what it's doing to your body and you know it, it takes me back to thinking about being in iraq and they're giving us these anthrax pills to take um well you've had pills or, yeah and mm. literally uh a little bit into it it wasn't just anthrax or something else that we had to take but um oh you were there earlier mate i know we this had was a series three. of three shots or something like that that was in uh, 03 to 04. Okay. But they, um, malaria How did that pills. Make you feel? It was a malaria pills, I think. Um, but regardless, they like literally, I took like two of them and I decided to go off of them. Like, I was like, man, I, I'll do my, my best, my chances without them. And sure enough, like literally, like a week or two later, they were like, hey, everybody needs to stop taking their freaking pills. So I was like, well, good thing I didn't take them. You know, like, but it's just the thing like you know um and i i won't take it into where we're at today in this time of age and you know but i i'll leave that aspect out of this but um so i'll just keep it directly on the medicine that i was taking and why i choose what i do now but (laughs) let's just put it that way um so i'm just glad that i am where i'm at today i'm glad that you have been able to have that same success of journey to be able to get where you're at today in regards to even getting away from that crap. So um, let's get down to business, man. I do, I do have one good positive story on it though. So in, in 16, when I quit, I had a primary care visit very short after. And I told him like, hey, I, I should not have been taking these for this long. Um, I need you to somehow put in my file that if I ask for this in three years, I shouldn't have it. Um, and I still have back pain, um, but we have a good conversation about it. Um, but now they're providing physical therapy, which they never used to. They've opened their network. Um, so like everything involved, again, going back to the root cause, I have this disc issue. Can I get it pulled back in rather than surgery or whatever and do it naturally without the medicine? But, um, and I don't know if they've changed their ways in general, if it was because I just adamantly didn't want my mind to collapse in a few years and asked them to not do it. But um, we definitely have good conversation about chiropractors and physical therapists each time I do my primary. So on the good route, some of the negative press that, that had happened, hopefully is putting it in the right trajectory. You know, with you talking about chiropractor really quick, um, it really kicked off right before I got out of the military. I was at Fort Drum at the time, and this was in 2016. It was kind of like a pilot program. There's only select installations that had it. And drum was a major one that had it. Um, but there was only one chiropractor that the whole entire installation could go and see. And I was fortunate enough to be able to go see him. And uh, at the same time, seeing that, that uh, physical therapist, but they were like, Trey, you know, in order for this to be able to stick, I got to be able to see you often. You know, like so a few it was times a great a week. program. Yeah, it yeah. was a great program. But the thing is like, you couldn't get there enough. And fast forward to today, um, in Pennsylvania, where I'm currently at, there's a, through the VA, I was able to get chiropractic care. Yep. And I, I say this right now because there's some people out there that may need this. Um, you Five have years to reach ago, they out didn't to the VA. That. Exactly. Yeah. So right Same now, boat. this is something that's still kind of growing as we speak. So it's something if you're hearing this and you're prior military, you're military right now. Uh, this is something you need to stay on top of to, to reach out to your, your um, primary care and say, hey, you know, I understand veterans are receiving chiropractic care. Why can't I receive it right now? Um, I am, I'm a living testimony of it. You know, so I've been with my chiropractor now for um, since basically the time I got out. So in 2017 to right now, and it's been freaking life-changing so i, I had a chiro- the, the chiropractor that helped me stop 
taking the tramadol the first time, um, he made a comment to me that will forever stick in my head. So I had to go about three times a week out of the gate after I stopped taking the medication and got to a point where it was like once every six months. And he goes, Adam, you go to the dentist every six months to get your teeth clean because you don't want to replace them. And guess what? At the end of the day, if they fall out, you can get dentures, you can replace your teeth. Nobody thinks about their back in the same way. Uh, if you came here every three months, every six months to get an alignment, you're just resetting. And at the end of the day, you can't replace your back. So when that baby's junk, it's junk. You're sitting in a wheelchair, you're doing whatever. Um, so take the time now in your 20s, 30s, 40s to take care of it. And that, that hit home with me and really helped me put it all together of, yeah, I can, I can replace these things and I'm still getting them taken care of every six months. So uh, it's a good way to look at it. Yeah, it definitely is. And for me personally, I had to go see my chiropractor at least two times a week for, I think it was like uh, six, six weeks because your muscles basically have a memory, right? Yep. So every time they go and adjust you, your, your muscles are trying to bring everything back to where it feels normal. So you have to be able to see these people enough times to really get your body changing to the way it needs or really was. So um, yeah, definitely. I love what you just said, because that's so true. You cannot get, I mean, yes, you can have your stuff used or, you know, science has come a long way, but um, you, you, you still. It's not the root cause again, you know, like you were saying earlier, you're, you're solving now the corrective without a pain medication, but you're fusing stuff. Um, you do it up front and you probably just don't have to, that's preventative action, I guess, right? Absolutely. So, because uh, I know we're on time constraints here. Uh, I know you have another meeting to go to here in a little bit. I really wanted to be able to talk about your business and where you're at now as an entrepreneur. And uh, can you kind of key us in on how you got into doing what you're doing now and what you do to, to bring this out to market to people? Yeah, so uh, as I mentioned, I was an operations guy for years um, coming out of the military. Um, had used that supply chain background to get some other promotions and stuff. Um, so in 2018, um, before the seltzers were really getting to be hot, my wife and I were doing keto to drop a couple pounds and um, White Claw was just coming out. And uh, well, that's when it was getting hot. I think it came out in 2016. Buddy of mine says, hey, you're doing keto. I know you're not drinking much because you don't find anything you like. Try this. Um, we both tried it and just weren't a fan. Like love the two grams of carbs, love the two grams of sugar, but the flavor, not our cup of tea. Literally spit it back out in the lake, we were drinking it. Um, so over the course of probably the next two months, um, had created something with vodka rather than malt beverage or beer like most of the seltzers are. Um, that was, it tasted like a vodka, cranberry vodka lemonade, like a normal cocktail. Um, but I knew with the vodka and the ingredients I was using, it didn't have sugar or carbs. At the same time, I'm like, well, this is delicious and it's possible to have a good nutrition panel and also not taste horrible. Um, so I started buying everything on the market, probably spent 500 bucks, hard water, hard seltzer, hard this, hard that. Um, didn't even know yet at that point that all these seltzers are, are beer and um, just couldn't find anything we liked. And um, then, so probably that was May when we first tried it. We're probably in like July at this point. And I start asking people at bars, why are you drinking, you know, uh, name brand seltzer, right? And I don't need to call them all out. Um, and the answer I would get is low carb, low sugar, low calorie. Well, Coke's been in business for a lot of years and people drink Coke because it tastes good. So the next question I would ask is, well, do you like the flavor? 99% of the time I got, meh, it's okay. And I'm like, I mean, now we're a few years later and these, these companies are have billions in sales off of low carb, low sugar, low calorie, and meh, it's okay. It's like, there's gotta be a way to put this together. Um, so uh, yeah, at the end of the day, I am very much what I call a kite where I'm just like floating off in the wind. Uh, my wife is the rock that holds me down. Um, and, and so making this drink and, you know, I was carrying a bottle of vodka and, and, and uh, ice cubes, like everywhere we were going, pontoon boats. I was like, we got to put this in a can. And uh, she was like, well, what's your, what's your plan? Because I had said it to her a few weeks in a row. And, and I said, well, let's put it in a can and I'm going to sell the shit out of it. And she goes, no, no, no. What's, what's your plan? I'm like, I just gave you my plan. We're going to put it in a can. I'm going to sell the shit out of it. Um, and so that was not the answer she was looking for. Um, so I asked her to do like 
uh, a question, give me a list of all your questions. And honestly, that was our original business plan. She's an accountant by trade. So it really is helpful to balance, uh, balance me um, because I have the ideas, but she can put the, I understand financials really well, but I still want to just go towards the idea. And she helps me put the grit behind it. So um, yeah, it, that was August, September of 2018. Um, won't go into the next year of details, but it was a lot of just problem solving. Um, I reached out to Tito's because that was the vodka I was using and said, hey, I have an idea for a cocktail with your vodka. Turns out uh, a lot of these big companies didn't care about Adam Craner at gmail.com, um, which, you know, totally makes sense because I was clearly not a true business. Um, so started along, the, let's come up with a name, let's come up with a, um, find a manufacturer, which was a big deal because we didn't have a million dollars to spend on um, product and, and getting all the raw materials. So we had to find a small manufacturer, but somebody who is still, you know, good and reputable, find distribution partners because of uh, prohibition in the, you know, it was 29 that was done. Um, there's a ton of laws and regulations that are still exactly the same as they were in prohibition. Um, for multiple reasons. So there was a lot of limiting factors that we just kind of kept one after another getting over. Um, I'm definitely, I love what I'm doing. And like I said, I could do this 20, 24 hours a day, sleep an hour and wake up and be ready to go. Cause it's just that exciting to me. Um, but it's also one of those things where if I, if somebody sat down right now and said, well, Hey Adam, here's how much money you're going to lose in the next two, two years. And oh, by the way, I just left my full-time job like a month ago. You're going to work 20 hours a day and you're going to see no financial benefit. How does that sound? Um, you know, most people be like, hell no, like no way. Um, but also retrospectively, love every minute of it and enjoy it. And let, let's be real. If somebody said, hey, Adam, you're going to have to do all of these different steps compared to just saying, hey, this is my dream, this is my goal, is to be able to provide this drink to somebody. If they came out and said, hey, you're going to have to find a uh, distribution company, you're going to have to find, you know, talk to these companies about if they're going to actually help you with the product and, you know, all these different things that truly come into making what your company is now. But, um, you know, that's enough for anybody to just stop doing what they're doing. Right. So, um, yeah. Yeah, but that's the thing. You had that end vision in sight to continue doing that, even if it, it you know, coming out of your pocket and everything else you're, you're sitting here speaking of. So right. uh, go ahead. I just wanted to interject with that because um, as I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm wasting time too, but it reminded me of literally the, the cans that, you know, soup and stuff come into, right? Yeah. That was just a thought at one point in time. Now it's the industry standard for everything to be packaged in these cans for long storage as well as compacting it. And um, before that, you know, they had lead that they were actually sealing it with and people were getting lead poisoning. And, you know, but um, it, it came down to a, a thought that how can I be able to come up with something different that will still preserve it as well as eliminate that lead poisoning. And right. sure enough, Heinz is the company that ended up creating the can that Heinz. everybody uses today. Yeah. So it was uh, because of Heinz and Campbell Soup were actually competing for soup. Okay. And um, so that's kind of the story is Heinz fell behind on soup sales because of Campbell. So they said, well, how can we be able to actually um, do something different? And it came down to the health of the people consuming it. Because if that lead bead, you know, was faulty, people could end up having, you know, major poisoning okay. or even, even lead poisoning. So Heinz is the one that helped create so that. So take away the risk and we'll increase it. our sales. Yeah. That's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, um, you know, so it all just comes down to just forward thinking. How can we change something? How can we go and do something different? So thank you for kind of jumping in that. So go ahead and... Uh, Tell us a little bit more. What is the company that you you currently have now? You, you talked about your vision. What is it that you bring? Um, how And you talked a little bit about those steps. So forward thinking for you, where are you going today or you know tomorrow, so to speak? Um, what's your vision on all that? Um, well, originally, so the company name is actually SN Food and Beverage. 
And those are initials for, I didn't get into this part of the story because it would have taken a very long time, but a kid that was literally born about three months before I, we are best friends. Um, our, our dads were best friends in grade school. Um, we shared the drug thing. He didn't get out of it, then got out of it and um, then ended up the, the one I was telling you passing away from uh, drinking and driving on a, a bike. Um, so we, and as when we were 16, we we're going to own a bar together was the idea. Um, and that never happened. So we named the company with his initials. And my intention was with all my food background, um, I'm going to expand this and just create something more like Carbless is the first brand. Um, I think we've definitely changed our tune the more we've gotten into the business and understanding. Again, that was before any product was made a year, like a year before that. Um, so we're shifting to a little bit more different model because it is so capitally intensive. Um, like we, we put, we sold every bit of real estate we had to, to put into this and we won't see a, a financial benefit for quite a long time. So um, we, we had to change up the model on and just how to, how to scale the business and become national. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, from, from, from our perspective, it's, it's just been the, the coolest thing in the world um, that I never could have anticipated is this thing that I was making in my kitchen or in my bar at home. And now like being able to see, first of all, seeing it on the shelf the first time, like such an emotional experience. I didn't get to put it out there. Our distributor is, I was working, but then I, you know, got done and to see this, this, the packaging was designed by my wife and I, it was me playing around with Photoshop, my wife telling me everything she hated about it, me taking it off. Um, and we got to what we think is a pretty, uh, good looking packaging now. And, um, you know, seeing that on the shelf for the first time of something that was created, the label was created by us, the liquid was created by us. Um, and then just, that is still honestly the most enjoyable thing. Uh, I, I just, two weeks ago, I was in Arkansas and working with one of our distribution partners and they started counting because we had so many positive reviews after the first two days, we had 80 people we had sampled and every single one liked it. And they're like, oh my God, Arkansas loves it. We're, you know, it's going to be great. I'm like, we will find somebody who doesn't like it. Like it's something I've, I've come to accept and you have to. Um, but out of 350 people we sampled, we had five bad reviews and it is the coolest thing to have like diabetics has been a big one that we did not anticipate being part of a market, but they drink it and they're like, Oh my God, this actually like tastes really good. And I, I had a guy who became diabetic in his sixties in a bar, uh, six foot four, I'm guessing about 350 pounds. Um, we're in Wisconsin, Harley jacket, literally gave me a hug in the middle of the bar because he had been drink. He became diabetic, had been drinking stuff that he did not like for the last three years just to enjoy an alcoholic beverage. And now he finally found something that he could enjoy while he was doing it. And it's, that takes it out of like alcohol can have a bad stigma and you can go the, the wrong route. Um, and I hope that people don't abuse it, but, but being able to be a solution in somebody's life, um, like the, the, the diabetic stories, um, is just been the coolest mind blowing thing that I never anticipated. Like I just saw a gap in the market. I wanted to fix that, but to know that we're making uh, positive, enjoyable experiences that aren't being abused, uh, is, is just, uh, mind blowing and something that I never anticipated happening. Yeah, that's awesome. And if somebody's really feeling thirsty right now or is listening to this, one, what is the company called again? Carbless, C-A-R-B-L-I-S-S. Okay, and where can they go to actually um, pick up one of these drinks? So one of the challenging things about liquor is you can only do it in certain states. So right now we're in Wisconsin. There's some product left in Nebraska. We're in Colorado, uh, Arkansas, um, Tennessee, Louisiana, uh, New Jersey, and we're launching in Maryland and Northern California here very shortly. So if you go to www.drinkcarbless.com and click on the find your bliss button, it will take you to a map. In about the next six weeks, we'll be set up on e-commerce where I will be able to have a button on my website that there's, I think, 38 states that are structured legally that can accept an e-commerce shipment. Um, so that will be on our website in uh, about the next six weeks or so, uh, where we'll be able to open it up to those other 38 states. So Adam, you talked about the e-commerce. You know, we talked off offline here. 
I'm moving to North Carolina. Is that a place that I can get linked up on that uh, for the e-commerce? Do you know off the I'm going to have to get back to you. I do not know off the top of my head. Um, but uh, I do have a little thing with a fancy map, so I can share that with you. <laughs> All right. I, and I'm, I'm rushing this right now because Adam has another engagement here. So um, I invite you this uh, this Friday. If you're listening to this, it's probably you guys know by now every first Friday of the month, we host our monthly wrap up with guest speakers that we've interviewed. And um, Adam, I'm you know reaching out if you'd like to come and hang out with us this Friday. It's a Zoom call. It's streamed into our Facebook group as well, um, even though your episode isn't airing yet we'd love to at least have you come hang out with us if you have the time what um, time is it at that's at seven o'clock eastern standard time at night correct i think i should be able, how long is it i have a uh, got, you can jump in and out however you okay. need to so it's not a big issue so yeah, i'm doing um, a whole sponsorship for a golf outing so i just don't know when awesome. that ends awesome and uh, so for those that are, you hear about the, the carbless drink. So can you tell us where they can actually reach out to you or the company? And then we'll wrap this up again. Yeah. So um, honestly, I, I give my business cards out like they're candy. Um, my phone number is 920-286-3159. Um, happy to have anybody reach out. And then my email is adam at drinkcarbless.com, which is also on that website in the about us section. Um, happy to have anybody if they want to friend me on Facebook, social media. Um, I am happy to help in any way I can. Um, we didn't get into uh, some of the things that we do on that side, but I'm a firm believer in just helping. I would not have gotten the where I am had I not asked, number one, but everybody wants to help from what I find. And um, I am very much in that same boat. Anybody that reaches out, I'm more than welcome to are more than happy to push them in a direction of help, or if I can physically help them, happy to do that as well. Awesome. And, you know, maybe there's uh, something that later on down the line, we'll do another interview or something. If there's things that you feel that you'd love to talk about, um, I just want to honor you and your time today, um, and as well as your schedule. So uh, thank you for being here with us. Any closing other remarks before we jump off this call? I uh, just really appreciate the opportunity, Trey. And yeah, I'll probably do a better job if we talk again of planning and making sure I block out the time afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Adam. And uh, for those of you listening, as always, make the rest of your day the best of your day. Thanks, Trey. Thank you for taking the time and listening to this podcast. If you're enjoying the Forging Life podcast, I ask you this, take a moment and head over and rate this podcast. If you're listening to it on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever platform you enjoy the most, please just take a moment so that way it will help get this episode or episodes into the ears of somebody else. And if you would like to join the discussion, make sure you head over to the Facebook page, Forging Life podcast and join us there.